that there is going to be the tallest building in the world. How come they can do that? And we got people starving in the heart of Manhattan. It's a good point, you know? It is a good point. Um, yeah, it's um, yeah, it's almost as though wealth inequality is a massive problem. <laughs> it's almost as though we should, I don't know, redistribute the wealth? I don't know. It's whoa, whoa. Maybe, maybe that's worth considering. Lucy, you want the FBI in our chat or something? What are you, what are you doing? I, right, it is 5am. I am throwing hands at the mega billionaires. <laughs> Come see me with these hands, Jeff Bezos. That's a call out. Bet he isn't even up yet, the lazy bastard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe. What time is it in the in in Silicon Valley? Where, does, where, where is what's going on? Um, I don't so know. I'm in New York. That's I think that's where they built the new Amazon headquarters. It's midnight in New York. Oh. So, um, <laughs> I suppose he's maybe not going to be up. there. He's not going to be at the headquarters. He'll be. In, he's fucking. Chalet or something. Is that what? Maybe he's in LA. Time in LA. Uh, it's 9 p.m. Oh, he's, he's awake if it's 9 p.m. Oh, maybe not. Maybe he has to look go into his birth and pod or something. <laughs> <laughs> maybe he does. Maybe he does. Yeah. We'll, perhaps we'll never know, which would be a great tragedy. Certainly. Certainly. Um, I'd love a fly on the wall documentary of Jeff Bezos' life. What does he do in the day to day? Uh, that's that's just insane to me. Like, Every- what could he possibly be doing in the day? I have no. I genuinely have no conception of what he does with his time. <laughs> Everyone knows that he's a member of the Telosians from the pilot episode of Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. But this isn't the time for bullshit, Lewis. We've got we've got Doctor Who to review. Um, <laughs> we've got the serious business of Doctor Who to review. Yes. Um, so we are doing uh, Doctor Who Season 3, Episode 5, Daleks in Manhattan, and it's the first part of a two-parter, and I'm very excited to talk about this one. Um, yeah, you like this one very much, don't you? <laughs> yeah. Uh, My notes are a bit deliberately thin on the ground, because I imagine you have reams and reams of paper, chock-a-block full of notes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 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 this episode uh, was written by Helen Rayner. Uh, fun fact, the first woman to ever write for the Daleks. So there you go. Oh, nice. Um, and it was directed by James Strong and it is starring David Tennant, Freema Adjaman, uh Miranda Rayson, Ryan Carnes, Hugh... <laughs> Quashire and uh, I think Jesus Christ I think I'd I, pronounce that Corshi but you know it's I don't actually know the guy Corshi any kind of way Corshi and uh, Spider-Man uh, <laughs> yep Spider-Man is here too yep do you have an opening statement <laughs> yes I do it's funny isn't it when all these people go missing that Spider-Man isn't helping out um, it's a, is that it? a chilling look at a chi- <laughs> chilling look at a chilling concept? I love it very much. This episode is um, is sort of a, well, this two parter at the very least exemplifies why like the Daleks are such an untenable species as a concept. It's like this is this is the Daleks crop up all the fucking time in Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. Like they're there at the Pandorica, just you know chilling out with all the others. Oh, we had to form an alliance. It's not a very Dalek-y thought, is it? No. But, like, I-, I do appreciate it when, like, it's almost like a character study of the Daleks in this two-parter. I quite like that. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. Um, 
a surprisingly political beginning of a two-parter that has social commentary, a love story and character development for the most infamous creatures in the universe. That's the one. Yeah. Um, Mm. Creepy room questions. (laughs) Okay. Uh, (laughs) Um, I love the theatrical element of this two-parter. The cheesy accents and Mm. everything. It just gives it something. I don't know what it... It's like something out of a PI novel, yeah. Yep, definitely. Um, I mean... I also like... I do appreciate the... Um, it's kind of vaguely tangentially related to what you said. I appreciate the stuff that's actually in the theatre is, is so very bright and colourful and sparkly and, and yeah. sort of camp and over the top. And then it's so, like, horrifically uh, juxtaposed by... Like trudging through the sewers, do you know what I mean? It's 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 a really nice thematic change. Yeah, it's a really nice aesthetic change as well, in a funny way. Definitely, like the, um, what do you call it? The, the musical number you put the devil in me. What a, that's just so much fun. I've got to say, that's just yeah, cool. definitely. Yeah, um, it may be a bit cheesy, but it fits with the sort of aesthetic of the you know nineteen thirty. You know, um, yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's really quite telling that it's set in 1930, you know, because it's, you know, it's just happened after the Wall Street crash, you know, it's a, it's a hotbed of political tension and, the we see labour exploitation you know, through uh, what's his name, Mister uh, Diagoras, and yes. and some of the quotes are just so on point for like, the complete, you know, lack of empathy from like people at the at, at the top, especially at that time. Like, um, unemployment is such an incentive; it'll get done. Don't worry. Or, um, uh, if you don't work, I can replace you like that. You know, like just stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um. Disregard for sort of working people. Yeah, it's disgusting. Definitely. Um, and it's also interesting it, how... Engaging is a character trait, but but, <laughs> but also, depress, also depressing and horrible, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And it's interesting how the, the Daleks come in and let, exploit that, because the 1930s, in many parts of, like, you know, the western side of the world was, like, the rise of like fascism yeah know? yeah it was it was because because of the 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 poverty and and the and the depression that people were in it gave rise and gave um a voice to these horrible fascists who used scapegoats mm-hmm. you know so it's it, it's interesting to look at it from from that point of view as well um sure sure you've got the pig slaves which is like a symbol yeah. for capitalism, you know. It's, it's it all yeah. sort of seems to, you know, um, coalesce uh, politically. Mm. Um, Do you think there's like um, a, a a different version of of this story that takes place in Nazi occupied Germany? Probably. Where it's, I mean, I don't. I, I'm trying to imagine what would change, but I'm a bit too sleepy. Um, <laughs> what? Because the only thing that would be different, I suppose, is maybe they'd, the the Daleks would touch down. And the Nazis would be like, bloody hell, they're like a turbo version of us. Yeah. And get these guys doing stuff. Yeah, the, I, I imagine the Nazis would probably see the Daleks as, like, uh, 
you know, tools or something like that and try and use them like, like, Nazis aren't like, like more um, intelligent than anyone else, you know, they're not going to have like some third sense in how to use the Daleks, they're going to get used by the Daleks and killed by the da- <laughs> Daleks, you yeah. know. Yeah. Um, Solomon is a really great character. Um, Solomon is a really great character. You know, it's a bit on the nose with the, you know, the, I don't know if you know the, the biblical story of Solomon. I, I am aware it's a biblical name. I don't know what he was up to. It's like he's, it's a story that where he sp- splits the bread and shares it between people. You see that? You see that in the episode? I can't. Oh, okay. Yeah. I can't remember the exact events in the story, but I know that that's a big part of it. And it's like share things and all that. So that's quite nice. Um. I quite, I really quite like the Hooverville stuff. I wish there was yeah. a bit more of that, you know. Um, mm. but it's obviously it's going to be squeezing everything into to, to an episode is going to be quite um difficult. I've talked for like nine minutes now. Do you want? <laughs> no, I'm enjoying it. You're okay. It's um, yeah. I I think. The one thing that really sticks out in my mind about this episode is that I really appreciate the the both the setting and the set dressing, if that makes sense. Yeah. In that, um, I appreciate that it's set in such a a relevant time where it was all too normal to exploit workers, and it was all too normal to. I mean, don't get me wrong; I don't think they were killing them to turn them into like Dalek pigmen. But no. It it was all too normal to exploit workers and a lot of work for very little pay and people that hadn't unionized and all the rest of it. And I also appreciate that, like the Art Deco style of the things that were happening at the at the at the time, like the Daleks lab is very Art Deco, which is yeah. like a weird thing to to look at. And it's like, oh God, Daleks with with Art Deco architecture is weird, beautiful but weird. Yeah. Um. And I appreciate the sort of depravity and and horribleness of of um, what's it called, Hooverville. I don't know. It's there's. The when, you know when people talk about like oh it's a romantic vision of a revolution and it's a romantic revolution of sort of a vision of sort of storming the gates pitchfork in hand sort of thing yeah that's I think is what you get when you look at Hooverville and I think you look at that and you see the sort of this romantic vision of sort of everybody banding together and and and, and working as one to sort of seize the means of production and keep together and sort of stand against this unstoppable force that is capitalism and daleks yeah um which is you know capitalism to crush your soul daleks to crush your body yeah it's <laughs> what what are you gonna do there yeah yeah definitely you know because in in the 1930s a lot of capitalists just uh just bent you know to the fascists just uh, allowed them free reign yeah you know, because it was but because it, there's a profit motive motive involved. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, at the end of the day, between fascism and socialism, capitalists will always choose fascism because you know there's no chance of them exploiting people under. Yeah. Yeah. Socialism. No, you're you're completely right. Yeah, it's um, I think it's there's there's no ethical way to run an enormous business and but there are many many extremely unethical ways to run an enormous business yeah i think the only exemption that comes to mind is ben and jerry's bizarrely is is suddenly just popped into my mind 
Ben and Jerry, the actual guys, are still kicking around, doing stuff, making ice cream flavours and all the rest of it. And um, as I understand it, I think they were hippies when hippies were a thing. And now they kind of have very similar political motives. And like, yeah, they're extremely rich off the back of delicious ice cream. But I think... Oh, I can't remember now. I think they donated a lot of money to um, Black Lives Matter-related organisations when Mm -hmm. that was sort of coming to a head. And they... um, That was it. They released a lot of statements about um, there's no place in in the world for this kind of intolerance and and hatred and sort of thing. And I think... It's it's strange almost to see a, a company that enormous make such a nice statement. It's weird to sort of when you look at like a, a company like the the company that are building the Empire State Building in this, and you think, okay, they're literally all they are doing is we're going to exploit workers until they die and then get more, and that's kind of what you see around you. And then you see every now and then one or two companies that maybe do an okay job. It's a weird one. Yeah, um, I would I would probably say that companies really don't have what a choice you know um mm. because they they want to try and get people to buy their product and yeah yeah while while you while i think it's probably true that the guys from ben and jerry's are probably decent people like uh, yeah i imagine there's also a, a, a board of shareholders that are, oh, are yeah. extremely profit hungry and yeah it's the well. Come on, we have to support Black Lives Matter. We have to support this. Yeah, yeah. I imagine that's the number one motivator, rather than Ben and or Jerry just being like, "Oh, come on, let's just say yeah. we love each- love everybody." Yeah, exactly. You know, I think that's just so disgusting. Oh, we have to support. Oh my god. Yeah, exactly. Like, How fucked is that? So, like, well, if we want money, we have to, you know, bite the bullet. <laughs> bite the bullet people. on what? Like, Mm-hmm. It's common fucking sense, you stupid cunt. Yeah, um, it was um, what was it? It was, a, a, it was a headline I saw very recently that is bizarrely relevant to this. Are you aware it's the Euros going on at the minute? The European, some kind of European football. I'm not going to pretend I understand it. Oh it's yeah, like a European football tournament. Yeah, um, and as a result of that, there are players that are taking the knee in in solidarity with with Black Lives Matter and everything, mm-hmm. and um. I think it was a police chief in the UK that said um, he will deliberately not be doing anything of the sort because he doesn't want to align with one side or the other. It's like, well, by not doing, you are aligning with the side of massive racists. Yeah. So, do you know what I mean? You, you, you can't just say, plead um, impartiality and then deliberately do things that are racist. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So, so, and sadly as well... Um... The Scotland team said that they wouldn't be kneeling because they wanted to take a stand against racism. Like when, um, <laughs> when it's already um, recognised that taking a knee would be taking a stand. Quite... <laughs> so everyone does this. Yeah. Everyone does this mm. to show solidarity and to stand up against racism. And Scotland's like, yes, but we're doing it the other way where everyone would think we're racist, but we're not racist. We're doing it. It's fucking mm. weird. It, yeah, I mean it. Yeah, it is a bit. Yeah, it's. It, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's ever so strange. It's it's funny how we've talked about football because football is kind of. It's 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 similar to a exploiting like selling your body to a capitalist overlord and exploiting like your legs until they can't kick a football anymore. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. it's. It's ever so weird that we've ended up here. <laughs> yeah, well, it's like a microcosm of like, politics, you know. It's like yeah, yeah. It's it's 
it's ultimately about factionalism. Um, mm, but mm. before I end up talking about the how Scotland uh, lost against the Czech Republic and everyone's fucking raging up here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we um, England won, I think. We won something. I can't remember who against. Um, I remember they all had names with C in them. Um, like at the end, like like of the starting eleven, eight of them had surnames that ended with a C. Oh, um, so I don't remember what country they were from, but I remember that about them. Well, at time of recording, it's Wednesday, and I believe that yes, I believe that Scotland is uh, playing against England on Friday. Oh, lovely! Yeah, so that'll be <laughs> that'll be cheerful. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. But anyway, just like Gretna Green and and all along Hastings Wall, yeah, uh, people fighting to the death over the Euros. Yep. Um, but back Hastings to Wall, Hadrian's Wall. But back to Doctor Who. <laughs> yes, back to Doctor Who. Um, I really like the conversation between uh, Mister Diagoras and I don't know what Dalek is. I think it's Dalek Can. Um, mm-hmm. we're lit. They're both looking over the city, and like Dalek hands like, "Oh, humanity's weak. Oh, but you've still built all of this." And mm. he almost sounds like envious in a way because he talks yeah, about his yeah. planet being gone, which is like, you know, Daleks rarely show emotion other than like pure hatred. So it's like to they, they see... can't show any kind of emotion, Dan. That's the thing. They can't. As soon as they get overwhelmed by any kind of emotion, they start shooting. We both know that yes. that is the canon explanation for how a Dalek works. Yep, yep. Rather than like the squid inside making the decision, it's the fucking big tank thing that that does it. You know. Um, cheers, Stephen. You. F- <laughs> <laughs> but um, so like, it it really it really sort of encapsulates because Mr. Diagoras is also like you know revealing himself he's like yeah we've had wars I swore then I'd survive and all that and it's the the Daleks I look at him and say oh okay you're objectively horrible this is probably the best (laughs) chance we're gonna get here Um, when the Daleks look at you and say you're objectively horrible it's you know you've done something wrong at that point yeah definitely um Dalek sec may be the first Dalek who finally understands that genetic purity is a dead end. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. some great quotes like, if we're so supreme, why are we not victorious? You know? Um, yeah, yeah. Like he's he's doing what the, the, the cult of Scarrow was originally created to do, like to think outside yeah. the box, to try and, you know keep the race going in any way possible the methods are fucking horrible but look it's 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 actually moving forward rather than no we must remain a little mm-hmm. hateful blob forever um <laughs> yeah yeah no you're right it's um uh, yeah i mean obviously daleks are like turbo nazis but you you as you say during the rise of fascism there were so many people will that were that fascist regimes willing to scapegoat and it's such a bizarre thing when you look back at history textbooks and they say oh yeah the nazis thought that um such and such group of people were inferior and also controlled the world 
<laughs> I'm sorry, they what? How can they do yes. both of those things? What that, the internal logic doesn't make any sense. And that's the same that goes for the Daleks. We are inherently superior. The fact that the doctor keeps beating us, it's just it's just happenstance. Yeah. Just just uh, just bad fucking luck. It's bizarre. Definitely. I mean that's one of the most horrible, pernicious things about like the fascist sort of ideology. It's your enemy has to be both simultaneously weak enough for you to destroy, but also huge and threatening. It's like the the two things mm, mm. can't really coexist. But yeah, it's not. It's it doesn't need to. It's the fear that they want. It's the it's the yeah the paranoia that they need in order to sort of get a foothold in. It's like oh these horrible you know behind the scenes curtains people oh they're gonna ruin us but they're still inferior it's like what well it's like what the fuck (laughs) what else what else what else um yeah you reckon there's there's some kind of a reason why pig men were chosen as opposed to i don't know cow men horse men any other kind of men pig men were chosen for a specific reason do you think well i think it's definitely for the symbolism um like Mm. taking uh people and turning them into pigs is like the sort of ultimate symbol for like people falling to greed or bad sort of you know uh, motivations. But obviously mm-hmm. they didn't fall to bad motivations. They were literally like kidnapped and like altered as pigs. But I, but the symbolisms. That's a good point. Yeah, the symbolism does there. work if you were like, oh, I need to go and work for mega corporation so that I can get mega money. Yeah, I, I, and you're sort of submitting yourself to greed. And you sort of become this this pig. Um, it's like uh, it'd be it'd make more sense if they kind of became pigs through exposure to the Daleks, almost. Yeah. Rather than having to go through, I don't know, I can't remember the exact process by which they're turned into pigs. But if just by being near the Daleks for five hours a day, or ten hours a day, or twenty hours a day, they just became a bit more piggy. Yeah. Their noses became a bit more pig-like, and their ears became pointy, and, and do you know what I mean? It, maybe that would be a better metaphor. It would make much less internal sense, but it, it would... it would, it would, um, What's the word? Be a better sort of symbolism. I think the, I think the symbolism still works, though, because it's, it's pointing out the sort of desperation that people were under, and how they would mm. resort to anything to get out of, like, the you know, the the rut that they were in. So I imagine, like, you know, going down into the sewers and just, like, even Solomon says, a slave wage, because essentially that's, you know, it's a dollar a day to clear a tunnel and fix a huge fucking underground sewer. So you are sort of, you know, selling yourself, you know. Was it 1930? Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to find a conversion so I know how much a dollar a, dollar a day is. It's not a lot. 1930 USD <laughs> to now. <clears throat> Let's get this. Um, one dollar, one dollar in nineteen thirty to twenty twenty one is worth sixteen dollars today. Um, oh, sixteen dollars is eleven pounds a day. Um, which is that's not very much, is it? Crikey. No, it really isn't. Um, <laughs> but yes. Yeah, so I mean, I suppose the symbolism sort of works on that level. Um, mm-hmm. and it's um. It's the the sort of what oh what what was it the the sort of squid thing that was left in the sewers, like that's yeah. that's really cool as well. Well, not cool because mm-hmm. it's horrible. It's like I didn't creating really your know own what the squid thing was. 
Well, yeah, it's it's well, it's failed genetic experiments that have just so been that was dumped. A prototype pigman, essentially. No, it was a prototype Dalek. They tried making their own. Oh, okay, 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 yeah. Yeah, they tried making their own uh, embryo type thing, mm. and then when it didn't work, they just fucking flung it out into the sewers. It's like, nope. <laughs> what the f- this bitch not viable. Yeet. Yep. Um, the intelligence scan is a bit weird. Like, how does that work? Yeah. How do you scan someone's inherent intelligence? Does someone have inherent intelligence? Is- this is one of my great problems with with a, a considering intelligence as a concept, is there's realistically no way to, to, to figure it out. Because even if I know nothing about physics or whatever, I could go into an exam and through sheer chance I could get every question right and get full marks and get a PhD in astrophysics or whatever. I mean, I'm pretty sure that's not how PhDs work. But do you see my point? Yeah. It's very hard to sort of evaluate objectively the intelligence. So, yeah, I don't know quite how they figure that one out. I suppose it's... Uh, I mean, you could argue that it's... The Daleks have got their own sort of skewed standard for intelligence. But then again, look, Martha's obviously, you know, she's a, a doctor. Um, mm, mm. Um, but I like, isn't she look more intelligent because of the morals that she has that are like diametrically opposed to like Dalek morals? Mm, that's a good point because. Martha's Martha's inherent sort of medical knowledge would mean nothing if she weren't also a good person. Yeah, exactly. You know I mean? It's like a desire to, to become a doctor help people and then also and like, okay, good, I'm glad I sorted better. that. Now time to go and commit some atrocities. Yeah, exactly. At that point, it means nothing. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and look, intelligence is like, I suppose you, you could measure IQ, but IQ like, isn't really a very good way of like, determining. No, it, it's notoriously... Yeah, bad at determining someone's actual inherent intelligence. Yeah. Plus, that it's just, it's kind of your puzzle solving ability more than it is your intelligenceness. Yeah, exactly. And how come how come Spider Man got to survive? Well, we know why because he's got like plot armor around him, you know. But like mm-hmm. he's like, of course. is he? Why is he more intelligent? It's because he needs to save New York. Yes, of course. He needs to make the. Uh, he needs to go to Hooverville. Part of the Amazing Spider-Man. I I barely fucking remember. He, um, he's your f- there was friendly neighborhood Dr. Tennessee that was a lizard man. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> that's right. And then uh, Jamie Fox was um, Electro in the second one. Yeah. Um, I I God I don't remember those films at yeah, all. Yeah. I don't remember any of the Spider-Man. There's been so many. They've all kind of splurged together. I love Spider-Man as a concept, but like. Damn, it's just there's it's a mess. It's a mess. There's so much Spider-Man out there. Yeah, definitely. Spider-Man th- uh, th- I know we're taking a massive sidetrack now just because Andrew Garfield happens to be in this episode of Doctor Who. I know. But um <laughs> there was um there's all this news about who's going to be in Spider-Man 3, what, what's going to be the main plot of Spider-Man 3, the, the Marvel Studios sort of version. Yeah. And it's going to be either incredible or utterly insane. Yeah. Like Apparently, Alfred Molina, who played Doc Ock in the original one, he's in it. Um, and there was a character who was like a, 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 a I think he was a theatre attendant in um, Spider-Man. And Sam Raimi had plans to turn him into Mysterio, which never quite developed. Oh. And so now 
that that actor and it's like a well-known piece of trivia at this point in 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 movie circles that actor is now in spider-man 3 but there's already been a mysterio in spider-man 2 yeah so it's just it's just we i i don't i don't know what's gonna happen and it's bizarre to me yeah i mean it's it's i'm trying to get i'm i feel a bit let's do it i'm trying to get excited about it <laughs> look yeah i t- oh look the uh, toby Maguire, andrew garfield and tom holland on the one screen mm. you know it's like mm. yeah. yeah it's it was ever so strange for me it was like Literally, as soon as Endgame ended, it was like a spell had broken. Yeah. And now I care much less about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's, it's absolutely bizarre. Because when Iron Man came out, I was eight. Yeah. And I remember going to see that in the theatre, the, the cinema, with my parents. And I remember, and for years and years and years, I went to see new uh, MCU films with my parents, with my dad. And we sort of would go and see them and go for some food and talk about them. And yeah. It was like a big thing. And then Endgame came out i watched it and i was like okay done now that's it it's really bizarre it's i know there's more movies coming out there's what is it as guardians of the galaxy or guardians of the galaxy 4 or yeah 4 4 or whatever it's called and that's you know i'm sure that'll be good but i have no desire to see it yeah it's really strange now there's tv shows as well that you know it's like yes um wandavision was very good and then it wasn't apparently i haven't seen any of them to be honest with you Wonder Vision was Wonder Vision, <laughs> very good, and then it wasn't. Um, Loki, haven't seen it. You said the first episode wasn't very good. People seem to think it's quite good. Yeah, well, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna give my opinion on that because I'm sure we'll, we'll. <laughs> oh yeah, we'll, I'm sure we will. We'll get to that. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, do you have any more notes? I think I'm out um, of notes. No, I'm talking about the MCU, Danny. <laughs> No, I haven't got any more notes. Oh. Have you got a closing statement, Chuck? Yes. Um, the MCU, in its entirety, is, no, uh, a, a fantastic opener to a great... You're right, have you died? I have died, yes. <laughs> um, a fantastic opener to a great two-parter that uh, deals in very mature material ahead of its time. That's good. I like that that's your pretentious movie critic voice. Yep. Ahead it deals of with very uh, mature material. Yes, ahead of its time, okay? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, a, a great opener to a two-parter. Um, I do like these episodes very much. I think from style to substance to, to format to everything, they're very, very good. I'm really looking forward to re-watching the next one at the very least. Um, and that's the end of my statement, everybody. Thank you and good night. <laughs> um, Danny, have we want to do some shilling? Yes, we do. Uh, okay, right, you ready? I'm born ready. Wait. Wait. I said wait. <laughs> okay. Oh, right. Sorry. I'm not quite ready yet. I'm not ready. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, I am. Um, I'm getting emotionally... Pre- I'm, no, I'm not ready. I'm getting emotionally prepared. I'm looking around the room. I'm looking at my boiler. I'm looking at um, my coat rack. Um, I'm looking at a ladder. Um, Are you okay, just, now I'm ready. You're just listing things in your room. <laughs> listing things I can see. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, the podcast has link trees. Um, Lewis's link tree is linktr.ee slash Lewis underscore Brindley. Mine's is slash O'Hiram. And the podcast is shouting into the void. There you will find all our socials, our Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, etc. So go have a look. See, what, see what's there. Um, 
We also have a PayPal donate button, so anything you can spare, anything at all, would be greatly appreciated. Uh, we also have Patreon, and we want to take the opportunity, as we do every week, to thank our wonderful, wonderful patrons. Uh, Chloe. Thank you. Darius. Thank you. Sophie. Thank you. Peter. Thank you. Aditya. Thank you. Richard. Thank you. Natalie. Thank you. And Doogie. Thank you very much, one and all. Um, you keep the lights on at Void Towers, even if I say thank you in a stupid voice. Um, yeah, you allow us to keep making this show that we love to make. Um, so thank you very much for supporting us. It really does mean the world. Absolutely. Um, thank you very much. Uh, we also have merch on Teespring and Redbubble. We sell uh, tote bags, jumpers, T-shirts, mugs, all sorts of stuff. So go have a look. See, see what you fancy. Eh? See what you fancy. Um... <laughs> And last but certainly not least, we are partnered with a fantastic company called Number 12 Crochet Avenue, and Lewis is going to say some wonderful things about them, all of which are true. Indeed. Uh, Number 12 Crochet Avenue is a wonderful company run by my wonderful wife, in which she crochets, and she's very, very good at it. At the minute, she is making a uh, incredibly, like, huge uh, panel, which will be sewn down to size so that it is made into a cardigan, and it looks very, very nice, and I'm very, very excited about it. If you would like to get updates about assorted crochet things, and not crochet things, and assorted other things, you can go and check her out on Instagram at, at number 12 crochet avenue. Thank you. Thank you. Well, uh, that was, uh, Daleks in Manhattan. Indeed it was. Yes. What's the next one? Daleks still in Manhattan? Uh, no, it's... <laughs> Daleks haven't left Manhattan yet. Um, it's uh, They're still bloody here. Yeah? Born exterminator. <laughs> it's evolution of the Daleks. Oh yeah, he's got his brain out. <laughs> always, a, always a unique choice to have your brain out. Yep, therefore, therefore. Um, so we will uh, uh, see you, hear you, smell you, um, give you a political allegory on capitalism and fascism next time. Indeed we will. Thank you very much for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye.